All right, welcome to season two of the podcast, Music Production Made Simple. I hope the first season helped a lot of you guys out. I know that I've received a lot of emails. A lot of you guys have signed up to the membership telling me that you found me through the podcast. This time around, I want to take a little bit of a little bit of a different approach. Um, there's still going to be some advertising towards my courses, my books, all that kind of stuff. But I do want to keep it just high quality education and then give you a little pitch towards a product to get you learning better. Okay. Now, in this episode, I want to talk about gear lust. Okay. So I recently did an interview with a member. So again, I run a beatmaker training platform where you can sign up and watch all of my FL Studio courses. Currently, there's 26 courses in there. Just go to itsgratuitous.com forward slash courses to check that out. And the interview is number four. Okay, so I will I will leave a link in the resources. So what is gear lust? What happens when you're new is you're out there and there's so many plugins, there's so many sounds, and even more than when I started. So when I started, there was so much selection as well. But nowadays, there's even more. You know, more people are learning about, you can start a little business on YouTube. They try to create their own sound kit. Be very, very careful, okay? In order to have true success, you need to have high quality sounds. So you need to be buying from reputable vendors. That is one thing I will stand behind so strongly because high quality sounds really matter. And the thing is with gear lust, you get trapped, okay? You start thinking you need this plugin. You start thinking you need this sound kit. And what happens is you become so unorganized and all of the projects that you're working on are gonna be broken, okay? Because what's gonna happen is over the years, once you mature as a music producer, you start to realize the tools that you like and the tools that you don't like. Now, this leads me on to the next point. So I created a free video Okay, it's an article on my website. It's called Selecting the Right Plugins for You as a Producer. And again, I will leave that link in the resources here. It's very, very important that you understand the pros and cons to acquiring a new plugin. When you acquire a new plugin, and if you use it on a serious music, uh, music project, you are stuck with that plugin for life. Most people don't think about this. So, you know, what do I mean by life? Okay, so let's say you were making a real album and you use certain plugins. If you want to reopen that project in five years, you need to have all of those same plugins, all of those same sounds. And this is why it's so important to think ahead of the game and decide now what plugins do you like, what plugins do you think you're going to keep around, because that's going to allow you to be a lot more organized, okay? In addition with this gear lust, so I have this course, it's called a specific music production folder. It teaches you about how to create a custom music folder that is super organized so it allows you as the producer just to get in there, make your music, and you're on your way. It's really easy to back up. It's really easy when you want to switch computers. Uh, now, the way how FL Studio has laid out all their menus and stuff, like you can jump in and use how they recommend, but in my experience, I have just experienced way too many missing files and I just didn't have time to deal with that, you know, especially when I was an electrician, I was working a full-time job, I would come home and all of a sudden I'd open up a project and it's like all oh, missing files. It's the worst experience because now you're spending, what, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes trying to find either that missing plugin, that missing uh, sound. By creating a custom music folder, the one that I show you how, okay, because it's taken me many years, at least 7, 8, 9 years, 
and it's just organized. It just allows you to flow. You have all your sounds organized. You have all your VSTs organized. So on top of that, what's really important is to become a good producer, someone to find their own sound, because that's the end goal of a music producer is always to find your own sound, right? So if you check out my music, and I didn't let you guys know, but I just released my newest beat tape. So if any of you guys have been following me over the years, this is volume nine, okay? It was, you know, really rewarding to finally finish it and get it out there. But what I'm trying to say is if you listen to my beat tapes, there's a lot of variety on there. And it always has my own kind of sound, right? And that's what I'm always trying to teach you guys is to try to find your own sound as a music producer. And the only way to do that is to find the plugins that you like, right? Like, so some popular uh, VSTs out there nowadays are like Serum, you know, Silent One, and then on the mixing side, like I like to use Fab Filter, but there's other plugins out there. But the thing is, see, the tools that I use, and just because I listed those doesn't mean I use them. I'm just saying that those are quite popular in the industry. But it's about finding the tools that you like, because if you can learn the tools that you like, you learn how to use them really good, but you also learn how to break that plugin a little bit, like how to push it a little bit further. And that's something that only you know, right? Because over your years of working with this tool for four, five, six years, you know, you start to kind of learn different tricks that you like to do with it. But no one else knows these little tricks. They're just things that you do. And this is how you find your own sound. All right, so just be careful with the plugins that you are acquiring out there. You do not need every single plugin. You need to have good quality tools that you know well and that do the job. So for example, if you need to do a task and you don't have a plugin for that, that's fine to go out and look for a plugin to acquire it, to use it for that task. But you have to be thinking, is this a plugin that I'm going to be keeping around for five years, 10 years? Okay. Because again, the more plugins you get, they update. And again, that takes a lot of your time. I've had a lot of experiences of some good plugins, some bad plugins. And um, over the years, I've just kind of sifted out what I like and what I don't like. And then there's some plugins that I have to keep around because I've released quite a bit of music now, right? Like I have four albums, nine beat tapes. If you look back to when you're starting, like that was me, right? So on my first album, my second album, my third album, whatever, around there, what I was maybe four years into, into making beats. So, you know, I kind of got past maybe that gear lust stage, but I was still, you know, unsure of this mindset to be careful of the plugins you're bringing in. Remember, I'll say it one more time. The plugins you use on serious projects, you have to keep for life. Okay, you have to keep them backed up. You have to keep them always in your plugin folder. Otherwise, you will not be able to open up that serious music project. Okay. One other thing I want to let you guys know is I have been updating a learn your gear page. Okay, so it's a page that's going to be talking about everything that you need as a music producer using FL Studio. So FL Studio is the only music program I use. I'm really big on sticking to one DAW, one music program, because there's no need to be learning other music programs, no need to be spending money. FL Studio gives you lifetime free updates. It really comes down to the producer and their ability to make beats, right? If you are going to different music programs thinking that uh, that's your answer, it, the, the problem is the producer, okay? But anyway, so Sometimes FL Studio isn't the best with certain hardware or plugins or whatever. And this is a page. Again, it's called itsgratuitous.com forward slash learn your gear. 
and you'll see that I recommend to you my favorite mixing plugins, my favorite MIDI keyboards. I recently picked up a new MIDI keyboard. Uh, it's the M Audio Oxygen Pro 49. It has been an amazing MIDI keyboard, okay? I have an in-depth review for you guys. It's like super in-depth. On the article page, I have like 11 different videos showing all the different aspects of the keyboard. I even created a free MIDI script, so it's available for download on the ImageLine forums. They have a section about MIDI scripting stuff. Uh, I ended up writing just like a quick little free script that you can download to get the keyboard working good with FL Studio. And then I also created a little premium script, which isn't necessary. It just makes the experience a little bit better. You don't have to go and figure it out because honestly, the Oxygen Pro 49 was the hardest MIDI keyboard, like no, like hardest piece of hardware I've had to figure out for music production. It was so tricky, and I thought I was going to have to return it. But after all the trial and error, the M Audio Oxygen Pro works great with FL Studio. And for size, I always suggest to you guys a 49 key MIDI keyboard. A lot of you guys always think, "Oh, I'm getting the 61," right? Because you think that you're that you need more keys. But the thing is, like, if you can't even play the piano very well, okay, that's number one. So there's no point of you getting a 61 because we have the octave buttons, okay? Now, from someone like me who can play the piano, like, I, you know, I'm not the world's best piano player, but I, I've taught myself and I've practiced very hard to get to where I am with my piano skills. And again, I have a piano course. It's called Piano Lessons for Producers. You can get it individually or you can get it in the membership. But what I'm saying is a 49-key MIDI keyboard at my level, has never, ever restricted me in terms of being creative with my melodies to make beats. The reason I like a 49-key MIDI keyboard is it's more affordable than a 61, okay? It doesn't take up as much room on your desk, and you can easily play with two hands. Very, very rarely are you playing at that large of octave difference, if that makes sense. So as beat makers, most of the time, we're only using one hand anyways to record our melodies. So for example, let's say we lay down a piano loop, then we go into a bass line. Well, you should not be playing chords with a bass line, okay? That does not work. Bass lines are single notes. On the left hand, you want to be a little bit careful playing chords because it can clog up your mix. So sometimes instead of using the third, so like your middle finger, sometimes you can just use the thumb and the pinky and just play the outer of that chord on the left hand. It allows you to get a little bit of a cleaner low end. And then on your right hand, you could play your chords, but sometimes that might be something I just click in. So on the right hand, I might play the chords. And then after I record it, I might add in the left hand just by clicking it in because it's easier. Um, but again, what I'm trying to say is a 49 key MIDI keyboard has been the best for me. So again, check out the Learn Your Gear page if you guys are wanting to learn about equipment, about FL Studio. Uh, I've listed a lot of stuff on there so far, and I'll also list some kind of helpful articles and podcast episodes that will get you going. I actually just recently written an article. I'll leave this in the resources as well. It's called How to Make Beats in FL Studio, and I walk you through all the basics of FL Studio, just kind of quickly, you know, like what is a DAW? We talk about the gear you need, and there's a lot of valuable tips I pass on. For example, when you're looking to buy a MIDI keyboard and audio interface, when you're buying your sounds, because when we talk about our sounds, we have our virtual instruments, our VSTIs. They're not VSTs, they're VSTIs, okay? VSTs are your EQs, compressors, right? That's 
the technical re, uh, thing to do it, but people just use a blanket term and just call everything a VST. But technically, the virtual instruments, things like Silent One or Nexus 3, whatever, these are virtual instruments. They are VSTIs, okay? All right, and finally, visit my website, okay? It's all up to date. I think it's looking really, really good. If you guys are interested in learning FL Studio with me, check out the courses page, okay? If you sign up to the monthly, I'm throwing in my FL Studio Beginners book for free. Uh, there's also a yearly option right now, and I throw in a bunch of more bonuses for you. And then there's also the lifetime option where you only pay once and you never have to pay again for courses. It's kind of like a starter kit. And when you watch the courses, you can literally follow along. You'll have the same sounds. You'll be able to flow. Okay, so if you guys have any questions, you feel free to send me an email at hi at itsgratuitous.com or just visit the website, itsgratuitous.com forward slash contact. We'll take you to the contact form. Also, some more news for you guys. I recently became an FL Studio trainer, which is awesome because it just gives more credibility to my Beatmaker trainer platform. So again, if you want to learn more about that, just go to itsgratuitous.com forward slash courses. Reach out anytime and I'll talk to you guys in the next episode.